1: Yeah. When did you When did you realize like, okay, I've done this. This is this has been a good. It's been a good run. It's been a good run as a Christian brother. And now you know what. Um, I' not sure I fit here anymore. When When was that moment
2: for you? When I realized I was gay.
1: (laughs) Okay, that would do it. Yep. (laughs) Hi, I'm Miss Danielle, and this is Help a Human Out. The podcast where we normalize the uncomfortable, sad, confusing, or just plain hard things about life by getting answers from people who have been there. Today's episode is a little different. The lived experiences of the person with the question and the expert are very, very different. But the question itself is one that I bet all of
0: us can relate to. Hi, my name is Victoria and this question personally comes from my experience in college. I just graduated. Um, and I had a lot of roommate issues and I had a lot of teammate issues. I was on a division three swim team and like throughout all of this, I was with my boyfriend and it was a lot of us giving each other support throughout the four years. We both kind of had a rocky experience. And so those all four years, it's really hard for me not to constantly wonder what people think about me and to... Not constantly be a people pleaser because with the roommate situation, I was such good friends with them and then it fell apart and they just completely like ghosted me and it took a lot out on me and how I perceive myself. And I'm wanting to move on from it and not constantly think about what went wrong, what I did wrong, and it still feels very lingering and it's really hard to um, move on from.
1: See, this one really hit home for me because I know for a lot of my life, well, most of my life, everything before 30, let's just say that, I really cared what others thought of me and I didn't know how to live a life where I didn't care what they thought. And I was living that life in the public eye. I remember posting photos where I had the biggest smile on my face. Meanwhile, I was dying on the inside, but I cared what people thought. I was gonna get a divorce. They couldn't think that. I had this perfect marriage, or did I? No, I didn't have any of those things. I had dimples and a smile on Instagram, and I was miserable. But I really cared what people thought. So did our expert, Ryan Anderson. If I had interviewed Ryan a year ago, he would have been talking to me as Brother Ryan. He was a Christian brother, a lay Catholic religious order founded in the 1800s, for those of you that don't know. Ryan has been through a lot of distinct phases in his life, and his journey of finding himself has been anything but judgment-free. Hello. (laughs) How he got where he is now and stopped caring what others thought? Well, you're going to listen to it right now. Okay, Ryan, I am so excited for you to be here today. Um, This is actually one of my most favorite questions that we have gotten. It is, how can I live my life without caring what other people think of me? How to move on from relationships and stop caring about what people think. So our listener, Victoria, she's going through a whole lot of stuff. But one of the biggest things is she's super hyper-focused on the opinions and perspectives of other people. And we know that you know a little bit about, you know maybe thinking about what other people think about you and how you made some life choices to change and live the life that you wanted to. And I imagine that you had to think a lot about what people might think and how to navigate that. And so we would like you to help us with
2: Victoria's question. For me at a certain point, it came to the place where I I, I kind of hit a crossroads in my life where I needed to decide where, where am I going and what am I doing? And the other question that, came to my mind when I was navigating my life uh, in in trying to figure things out, Uh, we could also call that adulting if we want to, (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Um, was who am I? And ultimately, I had to come to a decision of, of embracing that question and finding out what the answer was. And at the end of the day, it was really about, all right, this is who I am as a person. And do these people who, you know, at one point in my life were really important to me, still matter? And if they don't, then I have to kind of let them fall away, even if that's the hard thing to do. I kind of have to decide that, all right, at, at one point they were helpful in my life. I, I maybe still love them, but yeah, they're hurting me right now, and they're they're imposing things on my life that are really painful and. And difficult to deal with. And I just had to let them go and let that relationship kind of be stripped away from my life to um, move forward. Um, So
1: we're going to dig a little deeper because I think your story is so incredible, to be honest. And you, okay, so you were a Christian brother.
2: It's true. Yeah. Um, 2006, I started college and I went to St. Mary's in Winona. I got exposed mm-hmm. to the Christian brothers and to St. John Baptist de La Salle. And mm-hmm. so the seed was planted in my life of what I could be and what I could be involved in. Um, and uh, I, I sort of put it off and didn't think about it. And um I I dove pretty heavily into addiction. Um, you know, I'm I'm in I'm in AA now and I definitely believe in the anonymity, but I also believe I have the power to out myself if I want to. Absolutely. Uh, if it's helpful. So um I uh dove pretty heavily into drinking and uh creating chaos in my life and uh allowing chaos to just, you know, fester and grow and and you know, I, I now I would say I was creating Ryan problems. You know, they're not anybody else's problems but mine. Um, mm-hmm. So I just kind of went through this cycle of insanity in my life, um, building and then tearing down relationships or allowing someone else to tear it down um, and really getting into a place of just moral decay in my life. Um, mm. My story is not dissimilar to that of many other alcoholics in the sense of, I was introduced to alcohol. It was wonderful for a while. My life started to fall apart. I hit my rock bottom. Oh, wow. And I uh, found myself uh, behind the wheel of a car and driving and and totally drunk out of my mind. And uh, I got arrested for DWI. And Mm -hmm. here I was sitting in a jail cell in the county jail. Um, I'd called about everyone in my phone, except for my parents that I could think of. And not one person answered or called me back. My life has gotten to a point where so few people care about me, actually, really, uh, that not one person will answer and come and bail me out of jail. And that was, for me, a really big turning point. You know, it's like the most filthy, disgusting jail cell. It was like 50 degrees in there. It was freezing cold. I didn't have a—the the bed was just a metal frame. There was no, like, you know, mattress or pillow or blanket. I mean, like, I'm totally isolated, drunk, and yeah. feeling like everything in my life had fallen apart.
1: Do you remember the moment where you're like, okay, this shit has to change?
2: Uh, yeah, I was talking to a professor of mine actually the next day. Uh, maybe it was two days after I, I, uh, had one of my friends cover for me in school. I'm like, dude, just tell them all I have the flu. I, I, I was so just alcoholic sick, you know, like Mm -hmm. flu symptoms from that. So, um, I, um, had them cover. And then when I felt uh, like, at least to a point where I was hung over and not still drunk, I could go talk to my professor and I was trying to like navigate this and then we got to talking about what do I tell my parents? Even though I'm legally an adult, I still was at a point where I I wasn't ready to take responsibility and ownership for my life. I was still very much relying on them. And she said something to me that just totally blew my mind because I was like, how do I tell them that I got a DWI? And she said to me, Maybe you need to address the bigger problem. You're yep. struggling with alcoholism, and I just like every light bulb in my head shattered. I was like, "What are you talking? What?"
1: So take me from take me from the alcoholism into the becoming a Christian brother. It, it's it seems very radical, right? So take <laughs> take me through that a little bit. How did you wind up a Christian brother?
2: Right. So thank you for. Uh, pushing me in that direction it does have to do with each other actually
1: no Uh, i I believe it i'm just i'm just mind blown like i am i'm sitting here and i'm just like okay so he's in jail and he's super (laughs) drunk in jail and then he gets out of jail and he's like what do i do and then we're gonna fix our alcoholism and then all of a sudden we're like yo i'm riding for god so i just want to know everything (laughs) i am i'm all in right now ryan
2: Hook line and sinker, baby. That's good. You got me. You got me. You
1: reeled me in and now I'm like, okay, what happens next?
2: Sure. So, um, so I mean, it took a while. I didn't uh you know, I I, I have to adjust a little bit. My last drink was October fourteenth, two thousand eleven. So I had a little bit of a struggle for a month as I sort of tried to see can I play with fire or not? And then eventually got it together. And once I started getting sober, like my mind started getting clear. It's like if you dive into meditation for a while or you dive into like, I'm not going to eat red meat for the next month. You take something away and your mind sort of clears a little bit because there's a yep. piece that maybe needed to go away for a while that, you know, for me, alcohol needed to go away forever. Um so I started getting a clear mind and I started realizing, like, I've always had a heart for other people. Like I've always sort of had an altruistic quality about me mm-hmm. uh, that I was like, I need to do something for others. That's like living a life of service because one of the pillars of um, Alcoholics Anonymous and other programs of sobriety is um, service to others. And I thought, well, I don't just want to do that one hour a week. You know, I want to like yeah. A life of service. So I um had, it, like I said, the seed was planted in 2006 of what the brothers, Christian brothers, are and what, you know, like living for others in that kind of radical way is. And so mm-hmm. I decided to talk to one of the brothers that I knew really well. I'm like, hey, I'm checking, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? And he just started like inviting me around to check it out. And I think when my mind was blown in that sense, and what really, really changed it for me was, like, I went over to the house, and here's a brother, like, uh, sitting in the, in the living room, like, watching TV, and he's got, like, a, he's from St. Louis, so this made sense. Like, a St. Louis Cardinals hat on and a Cardinals jacket, <laughs> and he's watching the game, and son of a bitch! <laughs> oh God damn it! Why God? Yes, yeah, some of it, <laughs> and it humanized him to you. Oh man, it totally humanized him to me because I'm like, wow, this isn't like monks in a in a monastery. This is like, right? You're like, mm-hmm. he has a whole life. I know. He's like watching a baseball wears. You get upset at it. <laughs> 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 right,
1: like he has real feelings.
2: <laughs> yeah, It was. I it totally blew my mind. And um, if I get invited, I'm going to seriously look at it. Versus if. I'd have to try and force myself in some place. Like if the door That's opens, amazing. I'll probably walk through. So I just kept getting invited and invited and invited to things and kept walking through the door and eventually found myself like, yeah, I think I can really serve other people. I can really put my experience to use. I can really you know, uh, uh, draw on that wisdom that I got through doing things the wrong way to help guide others so maybe they don't have to go through that. Yes, I
1: love that mentality. I think it's so important to take your trauma and allow it to be transformative as opposed to letting it freeze you. You know, the fight, flight, freeze response is really real. And some of us freeze um, and some of us want to fight. But I love, love, love when we don't stay frozen and we actually take what has happened to us or happened for us and we use it to help others. And I feel like that's exactly what you did. You said, I hit my rock bottom. I'm, you know, I'm an altruistic person. I want to help people and that's where you went and somehow you wound up a Christian brother <laughs> because <laughs> like of a, another there, swearing you know? <laughs> Christian brother <laughs> first of all what did the identity of being a Christian brother mean to you so let's talk about that first because i imagine since you're no longer a Christian brother um there there's some things that happened but while you were in it and completely in it what what was that identity and what did it mean to you
2: oh man uh i think on the more uh anecdotal side and the more like you know jabbing and making fun of side like if you want to totally get drunk on an ego trip like join a religious order (laughs) wow wow yep there's this reverence like you know if you ever dig into the catholic church it's more so there than other places like this whole idea of princes of the church you know like brothers Mm -hmm. and monks and priests and bishops and cardinals like oh we're these you know princes of the church and we like float and levitate. Now, you know, like, there's this mentality, <laughs> that that's what it is. And it's really easy to get sucked into that and drawn into that sort of allure. Um, so there's the ego trip part. But then the other part was, um, I really worked hard to resist that. The other part was, you know, the title, Brother, is really much less about the title mm-hmm. and it's much more about the actual state of being in life. The like- service, In a radical way, I was older brother to my students. Mm -hmm. So that really, to be able to come in and be like, have the relationship and have the bond in a fraternal way versus I'm just Mr. Anderson sort of, uh, uh, you know, here to check the boxes of teaching you or working with you. I'm actually here as your brother and care about you more deeply than what grade you got or that you didn't get. Right. That was huge. And the training that I got and the way that shaped the way I look at the world was huge for me.
1: We have to take a break, but I promise you we'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. Here at Help a Human Out, we reserve one free 60-second ad space for a BIPOC business. And if that sounds like you, send an email to podcast at stillkicking.co and we can get your ad on our show. Today, we're talking about an amazing BIPOC-owned business called Theramones Body Oils. Athena Blue started this family-owned company two years ago after she relocated to Wisconsin for work during a very harsh winter. But (laughs) let's be honest, all Wisconsin winters are harsh. She quickly realized there weren't any products in her local stores that were designed for black and brown skin and hair care. That happens a lot. So she decided to make some herself. Theramon's body oils work on all skin and hair types and keep everything feeling healthy and soft. They're made from natural, non-toxic, cruelty-free ingredients, including their signature tri-oil blend of almond, avocado, and shea nut oils. And these oils smell so good. Folks, you don't even need to wear perfume or cologne when you use Theramon's oils. That's how good they smell. We especially recommend their spice and twilight oils. Winter is coming. Don't let your skin and hair suffer. Shop pheromones at pheromoneskincare.com. We've also added a link in our show notes.
0: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can
1: get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. Told you we'd be right back. We're talking to former Christian brother Ryan Anderson. Victoria asked a question about how to care less about what other people are thinking about you. And I think Ryan has some answers for her. Let's get back to it. Yeah, when did you when did you realize like, okay, I've done this. This is this has been a good it's been a good run. It's been a good run as a Christian brother. And now you know what? Um, I'm not sure I'm I fit here anymore. When when was that moment for you?
2: When I realized I was gay. Okay,
1: <laughs> that would do it. Yep. <laughs> there you go. That uh, I
2: mean, if I'm really going to boil it down to anything, it was my sexuality. I mean, uh, there are l- religious life, the, the public life of religious life is amazing. Like, just the work you get to do as brother or as sister, if you're a nun for that matter, Yeah, uh, is really incredible. And um The sad thing is living in community with other brothers who are also living the same thing, but might be older than you or come from a different place is really challenging. Um, And there were a lot of micro frustrations that just came out. Um, Even I hesitantly call it this, but even some microaggressions that I just started experiencing about feeling like I was different than people I was living with or feeling like, there's parts of my life that like I can't share with you guys. Um somewhere around hung with it quite a while, somewhere around 2015 or 16, I discovered that my sexuality was different than what I'd been taught to believe or what I believed about myself. So, you know, I grew up thinking, oh, I'm straight and hetero, cisgender, like mm-hmm. all of this was my identity until maybe about 2015. And uh, I realized that uh, uh, I was really incredibly attracted to men Uh, in in a way I was just very surprised about. Like, what? That's... That can't be. <laughs>
1: you know what? I'm so proud of you and so happy for you to be able to like finally live your authentic life. And maybe you just didn't know or you weren't there yet or society will tell you what's right and wrong and so you follow certain things. Um, but it's really amazing because I actually hear a lot of happiness in your voice. And that is um, something that should be commended and something that should we should take a moment because, yeah, we of course, we want to help Victoria. And I, I think that even hearing your story, um, because we're not even to the end yet. And we have, you were, you know, you had the alcohol struggle, then you decided to become a Christian brother. And then you realize I'm gay and this isn't for me anymore. And through all of this, what I keep thinking about is the strength you must have had, because I know there were people judging you. I know that because from the very first story you told about being in the jail cell, some people didn't even show up for you. So then I imagine you become a Christian brother and like you said, there's this this ego thing in there and people are, oh, the, the princes of the church. And then you're like, oh, just kidding because um, I got to get out of here, I'm gay. And I can only imagine what strength it takes to walk away from that. So in thinking about Victoria and what gave you the strength to say, I'm going to live my life for me regardless. Like I, I figured out who I am I want to accept who I am, and I'm going to allow others to either accept me or not. So walk me through that process because I can only imagine when you told all the people that you were walking away from being a Christian brother. Like, it doesn't change you as a person. You, You are still an altruistic person. You still want to give and you still want to help. That's still a very big part of who you are. But, like, how did you drop this bomb on people like, hey, I'm gay, by the way? And were were you scared? Were you fearful of these things? Did you care what they thought? Or were you finally just like, I'm going to live my life for me?
2: So therapy, uh, I'm a big advocate for seeing a therapist or a counselor. Like, you know, some people jokingly call it rent-a-friend. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It's
1: like the best friend ever, though, right? I know it is.
2: They is listen to me. They consistent friend. <laughs> I know. It's great. They listen to me. They challenge me. They call me on my BS. Like... Yeah, wow, a great friend.
1: <laughs> and you know so, what? You know they're gonna be there because you're still paying them.
2: <laughs> and it's true, and I still show up. You
1: know, <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it. I agree with you 100 percent on the therapy. So I love, I love that you push the therapy. Um, what were some of those conversations like? So when we when we think about Victoria and she's like, you know, what do I do? It, is it safe to say that? Some of the relationships are not going to be able to be repairable. Is it safe to say that some of these relationships you will have to walk away from in order to accept your full self, in order to be who you are? Did you have to walk away from some important people?
2: Um, I've been fortunate in my sexuality that that hasn't been as much of the case, but that has been the case in different parts of my life. Um, I think there is a part of my relationship with my... Uh, mom and Dad, that's been a, a struggle, um, and we might not get that totally back the way it was because they have a way of seeing me and and viewing me that's like I'm now pushing back on what their view of me is. So they have a way of seeing mm-hmm. me that's different than who I am. So yeah. you know, there's that, but there are other acceptable losses as well, and I call them acceptable losses because. It is still a loss to lose someone in your life, Mm -hmm. but if you have to lose them in order to move forward and to heal and to um, grow into who you are, then that's an acceptable loss. Come on,
1: acceptable loss. I love that. I'm stealing it, Ryan. I'm taking it as my own. Acceptable loss is something that you were right on time. I needed to hear acceptable loss. I feel like so... Often we lose so much, and we feel like, "Oh, this is the worst." But you know what? Some of these losses are what we need to grow, to thrive, to do all these things. So you just put a word to it and, and a phrase to it that I needed so bad. You said "acceptable loss," and I think that that is what we have to look at. That's what Victoria has to look at: is is moving forward and saying, "Like, yeah, I lost a lot, but." these are acceptable losses. These losses were, these relationships were toxic. These feelings did not ever make me feel good. They didn't show up for me the way I needed. They wouldn't allow me to show up for them. And I think that that is when you start to think about a loss as acceptable. And that is brilliant, right? Like, brilliant.
2: Yeah, I agree, you know, and there's always a gain out of acceptable losses. So, you know, like, If I want to gain a good night's sleep, I have to lose staying up all night. That's a very (laughs) basic example. But, you know, it's like it's very if I want to gain mental health and peace of mind and identity, well, then maybe I need to lose this person that's uh, not uh, healthy for me, that's toxic for me. Doesn't mean the person's toxic, but it means the relationship is and I need to lose it.
1: Absolutely. And I think when you depersonalize some of the things, when you when you think about the fact that, you know, it's not. It's not your fault that, you know, your relationship with your parents isn't exactly where um, you want it to be or where it should be or, or wherever you want it to be. But you have to realize that sometimes you fit a certain way into a person's life. And when you don't fit that way anymore, it's hard for them to grab onto you still. Because you don't fit the way you used to. And people are they don't do well with change, right? And so oh, that's the truth. Yeah, but I know you know it. Okay, Ryan. You I know you know it. Okay. And so people don't do well with change. So when all of a sudden you're like, I'm a Christian brother and this is the work that I'm doing, then all of a sudden you're like, um, I'm gonna be authentic and I'm gay and this is what it is. Like people are like, Wait a minute, wait a minute. I know you as a Christian brother. You need to be that Christian, brother, because that is the, the way you fit in my world. And what happens is, is we got to stop allowing people to hold us hostage to their world and start creating the one that we want to live in. Because if we're going to be held to everyone's standard of who we should be, we're never really going to be ourselves anyway, Right. And you're such a, a clear example of that, of just saying, like, listen, I'm going to do it. And I know it wasn't probably the easiest thing in the world, but you did it. So you are no longer a Christian brother. What, what are you doing? What is life like? How are you? I, I, I always ask my, my mom is a, is a person that I always say, I really would like to bring her away from needs from approval island and take her to zero fucks given island. <laughs> because um, it's just so much more peaceful here, right? But she always is at this, and she, you know, I'm I'm 35. My mom had me at 21, so she's only like 56. And I'm like, I don't want to be 56 years old and want this approval from people, especially people I don't know or don't really care about, but you're still looking for it. And so I beg my mom all the time, come on, mom, come to, to Zero F's Given Island with me. You don't need to be on needs needs for Approval Island. What island are you on? Are you? What island are you on? Where are you? Are you on an island? Are you in between? Can we bring you over here? How can we get Victoria (laughs) to Zero Fucks Given Island? Because she deserves to be there. And so do you. And so do all of us, really.
2: Um, I think the first one is you need to accept uh, that loss. So that's one. uh, If you want to get to Zero Fucks Given Island. Uh, mm-hmm. and number 2 you got to accept that to get to Zero Fucks Given Island you have to go through Growth and Change Island. So
1: yes! you have
2: island hop okay. for a while, you know. Look
1: at you adding an island to my islands. I Look had to, up. you know,
2: we're, we got a whole chain going now. This
1: yeah, is I do. <laughs> Just take your, like, jump on your little boat, get to your little What did you call it? You called it Growth and Change Island, right? That's
2: it. Growth and Change Island. And and the boat ride to Growth and Change Island is going to be a little bit painful and the time on Growth and Change Island might also be painful. You might you might starve a little bit because it's lonely there, um, yeah. and it's it's difficult there. But you got to spend some time there before you can get to Zero Fox Given Island. I think long.
1: you do because if you don't fully know yourself. You know, and you don't fully peel back some of those layers of what people told you. You have to be what you have to believe, and just like that, approval, right? Like needs for approval island is awful. It's isolating. It it is. It is. Um, it's Instagram pictures where you're only seeing the highlight reel, right? Oh, I want, I want to see everything. I want to see you. I want you to peel back those layers and show me who you are. And I think that that is one of our biggest, biggest deficits is that we are so so taught to give a hell what people think about us like our whole lives are about approval and it sucks but I tell you when I I think it was 30 30 years old was where it got me I was about 30 years old and I was like I don't want to care what people think about me anymore and it took like you said it took years to get there right yeah. For every It took years. It was a practice. It was a lot of time on that, like you said, growth and change island. And I had to decide if I was going to actually be my authentic self or if I was going to continue to try to get the approval that I was seeking so much, realizing in the end that the only person who really mattered was me. Like I got to like me first. Right.
2: I agree. Dude. It's true. I got to like who I am. Like I yes. have to like that. These are my hobbies. I have to like that when I wake up every day, this is the work that I do uh, or the ministry that I do. My work for me is more of a ministry than a job. Um, I have to like that the routine that I've set up for myself is enjoyable to me. Like I've got to come to grips with all the little parts and intricacies and details of my life that make up who I am uh, before I can go on living and feeling fully who I am and not caring.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Uh, It takes practice too. It takes practice.
1: It takes Um, a lot of practice. Are you happy now?
2: Um, I I have my moments, but I would say you know six out of seven days. Yeah,
1: that's amazing. I mean, six out of seven ain't bad in 2020, friend.
2: That's you know I uh, (laughs) we put an asterisk by that just for COVID, but
1: (laughs) yes, absolutely. Like that, absolutely. How would you? How would you? Or what would you? What advice would you give to? Our friend Victoria on her, on her journey to Zero Fucks Given Island because we all belong there. I really do. And 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 just to clarify, when we talk about you know Zero Fucks Given Island, we're not saying like you don't care about anything happening in the world. You're selfish. No, what we're saying is that you stop seeking that approval from people, and you really, truly, you're, you're who you are. You're authentically you. In every space, you feel safe to be who you are, and that is what I'm hearing in Victoria's voice memo, is that she doesn't feel safe to be who she is, and that just is heartbreaking to me. I don't have time to be someone else or to pretend anymore, and and I'm so grateful that I got here, but I spent a lot of time on that that needs for approval island. And so now I'm just, I'm so glad we're doing this, Ryan, and I'm so glad that you're here to tell your story because we gotta bring people over to this other island because it is no fun to constantly be seeking the approval of other people, half the people who don't even really know us anyways.
2: It's true. You know, at the end of the day, they see one version of us or a mask that we wear and the mask might reflect who we are, but it isn't fully who we are. They don't get to see underneath and peel it back. And I think my advice... um, for Victoria is, uh, you know, the world, the world really sucks a whole lot and there's enough world out there willing to beat you up that, uh, you just gotta take a deep breath and take it easy on yourself because the world is hard enough on you. Uh, Don't, don't be hard on yourself. Find a way to be nice to yourself and, and take it easy on yourself.
1: Yes, Mama Kathy, that's my mom. She always tells me, if you're going to be your own biggest critic, you also have to be your own biggest fan because you need to balance it out. Because the world's going to beat you up, like you said, already. You're going to face some really hard things. There are going to be mountains to climb. And you have to be your own biggest fan also. And I think that when we learn that, when we learn to... When we when we learn to love ourselves unconditionally, which is very difficult in a world that will really tell you to hate yourself. You're not skinny enough. You're too dark. You're too light. You're too big. You're too small. Eat, eat a sandwich. Don't eat a sandwich. Do this. Don't do that. Like, I don't know how we keep up anyway. It's really, really hard to um, to love ourselves fully in this world anyway. So when we know that that's where we're headed, that is a good sign. You know what do they say? Is is it Alcoholics Anonymous that says, like, the first step is admitting there's a problem?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I I love that, right? Because the the problem is you care too much what other people think.
2: Exactly.
1: (laughs) Like, that is a problem. (laughs) And when we see it as a problem and we start to take the necessary steps to kind of um, navigate away from that, we become better. And then we allow other people to be better because we allow them, by being our authentic selves, to be their authentic selves. And that's the only way that I think that the world is going to get better, to be honest, Ryan. You out here living your authentic life, and I'm so happy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I agree with you. I think there's, you know, we we have to radically be ourselves. This is something that I I really push with my my clients and students. And uh, I, I always try to, like, push the envelope of goofiness and strangeness in, like, a healthy way. So I'm like find myself acting and doing funny things to see if I can get a smile out of them or some sort of positive reaction. (laughs) And I'm just constantly finding myself like because I just finally got in a place where I really don't care what other people think, I can relax, act myself and be who I am. And then that gives other people the license and permission to also you know, let their hair down a little bit and be themselves. And it's amazing the power that you give other people just by, like you said, being yourself.
1: Absolutely. And I think people are looking for that permission. I don't even think we we consciously realize that we want it or we need it. But I think that when we see other people be themselves freely, be themselves authentically, that we're like, oh, wait a minute, maybe I can. I saw a tweet the other day and it said something along the lines of, actually, it was rapper T-Pain who said it. <laughs> It was rapper T-Pain and T-Pain tweeted out something like, it doesn't matter if you want to try something that your friends would think is corny or goofy or silly or what he's like, try it. Even if you got to try it by yourself away from your friends because you deserve to try things even if your friends think they're weird. And that's the world we live in. It's like, oh, I really want to do this. But if I do it, my friends will think I'm weird. Let me tell you, as a person who also identifies as queer, it took me until I was 34 years old to admit my bisexuality. Ryan. And I knew, I knew a long time. I probably knew before you because you were, you said when you figured out you were gay, I knew all along, but I was worried about what people thought and I cared way too much. And now I don't give a damn like, I don't know what happened. And there was like a switch. And I just want that switch for Victoria. And I want that switch for all our listeners and all the helpers out there, because we really do deserve to live our authentic selves. And you are a prime example of that, because you said, Mm-mm, I can't live my life as this person who is is in the throes of alcoholism. You changed your life. You became a Christian brother. You said, OK, this isn't suiting me either. And you came out and said, "Yep, this is who I am." You know what? Well, we wish you luck, and we want you to be happy as your authentic self. So, um, more power to you, Ryan. I'm so happy that you here. So, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up, and just one last piece of advice for Victoria, if you have it.
2: Um, man, I think you know something really big for me. Uh, uh, my man, Diamond Dallas Page says this a lot. Uh, he's a kind of like a guru for me, and and it's just stuck with me. Uh, whether you say you can or say you can't, you're right. And mm-hmm. so if I say I can get to zero fucks given island, I'm right and I can do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Manifest the victory. That's what you have to do. You have to manifest what you want. And if you're sitting around saying, oh, no one's ever going to accept me like this, guess what? They're not. Because it's you're true. not even you're not even accepting yourself. When you are setting yourself up for failure already, when you, you're setting yourself up for failure already, when you say something like, they're never going to accept me as myself Well oh, yeah of course they're not because you're not even accepting you as your as yourself So I I just love that, Ryan, your, your story is very powerful. Victoria is going to hear this. She is going to be inspired. I just know it, and I hope for it. And not even just Victoria, but all of us who are on this journey, right? I know that some of us are still on Needs for Approval Island. There are a few of us over here on Zero Fucks Given Island, and I like it here. And I invite everyone to join, me and Ryan and the rest of us who are here. But there are a lot of people stuck on that middle island you know, and that island of growth and change. And so I really, really hope they get here because I think that that is a big piece of like how we're going to change the world is when we allow ourselves to all be who we really are and stop pretending and playing these damn games.
2: I agree, you know, and I think we're all on our own journey and it takes our own time. But as long as we can set the goal uh, and find a plan to achieve that goal and Stay patient with ourselves. I think we can get to Zero Fucks Given Island. All of us yes.
1: can. We can, right? Isn't it such a good place to be?
2: It is. And sometimes I bounce back to growth and change island, but eventually I make my way back there.
1: I'm so happy that you said that because that is that is a huge point. It is not a constant. The world will, is very good at at dimming your light and very good at reminding you that you shouldn't be on Zero Fucks Given Island. So I think it is a major point that Ryan just made that he doesn't stay on that island. He slips up sometimes and goes back, but he always knows that the destination should be back on Zero Fucks Given Island. And that, and that is the key, is that you're not always going to be there. Trust and believe there are moments where I have to crawl my ass back to that island. But, <laughs> I, but I know it's the island I want to be on over all of the other ones. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's always the goal, destination goal, you know. Yes. <laughs>
1: Take a right here.
2: Zero fucks given island. You've
1: In arrived. point three miles,
2: <laughs> the destination is on your left.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, you've been such a joy. I'm so grateful to you and your journey. And I'm even more grateful that you're using your journey to help other people like Victoria, like myself, and like all of our helpers out there. So thank you so very much.
2: You're welcome. Thank you.
1: Wow. There is a lot to unpack there. But honestly, everything in life is a process. So this will be too. You're not going to wake up one day on Zero Fucks Given Island, but I do hope you spend a great deal of time on Growth and Change Island because none of us deserve to be stranded on Needs for Approval Island. I also hope you show yourself the grace that you extend to others. So many of us are always throwing out life jackets. Meanwhile, we're over here sinking or drowning. Show yourself the grace that you give to others. This isn't easy, but it's for damn sure worth it. No matter how hard you try, you're never going to be exactly who or what anyone expects you to be. And at the end of the day, all that matters is that you're the best version of yourself according to you, not according to anybody else. You start that journey by loving yourself, forgiving yourself. I know that one's hard. And accepting that you can't change other people. You know what you can change, though? What island you get stuck on. Make the right choice. I want to thank Victoria for sending in her question. I definitely want to thank Ryan for his time. And this is what we do. Every episode, we will take one question and find an expert to answer it. If you have a question, you know what to do. Send a recording of yourself to podcast at stillkicking.co. That's podcast at stillkicking.co. Help a Human Out is a Still Kicking podcast. I'm your host, Miss Danielle. Our executive producer is Nora McInerney. Our associate producer is Emma Martins. Our audio production is done by Red Rock Music. And you can learn more and donate at stillkicking.co slash podcast.